Welcome, everybody, back to the Not A Rabbi podcast. This is episode four of season three. And you may be asking yourself, hey, what happened to episode three of season three? Last time you said it was episode two, and now you're saying it's episode four. What gives? Well, uh, apparently I should have been an accountant because I can totally not count. And I lost count, and I thought it was episode two last week, last time, which was actually last week. And here I am now at episode four. I did correct that in the uh, not in the post or anything like that because I want to lead with my keep my mistakes alive, and lead with my mistakes when I can. But what I wanted to do also was go ahead and uh, you know apologize. Hey, I made a mistake. And uh, it happens sometimes, unfortunately. Uh, this is why we are human, and uh, that's uh, that's about it for for that. I think this is going to be a little bit of a briefer show than it has been in the past. Uh, slow, slow news week, uh, which is typical for this time of year, because it is in America here the end of the summer is winding down people a lot of people are taking vacations not a lot of news hitting the uh hitting the streets and so i don't have any news news content to really provide you with uh and to talk about so what i thought i would do is go straight into some feedback and i've got some interesting feedback i think one specific a question on a podcast that we've done and one a more general question and so let's start with the feedback from the podcast itself the listener says he listened to the podcast episode about passover again and i talked about selling the the leaven using a rabbi as an agent and then leaving it in a locked cabinet so the question is do you buy it back at the end of passover is there a non-Jew that the rabbi sells it to, knowing that this is just a temp- that is just temporarily theirs, or are you all in ignorance about whether the leaven has been sold, since the rabbi is your agent and it might not have actually been sold? Okay, these is these are excellent questions. First point that I would like to make here is a key word that the listener used, which is he listened to the episode again, and I think that that's very important, and I think that everybody really needs to listen to the episodes multiple, multiple times, uh, specifically because that really does help our numbers. <laughs> uh, no, kidding around with that. I'm just, just kidding around with that. But um, that, uh, you know, just, yeah, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyhow, let's take a look at, let's go through this. Um, let's try to, sub, let's take this, I usually don't like to do this, but I want to try to take it in a procedural uh chronological order here so i'm going to take these questions out of order and how they're asked i usually like to answer the questions though the way that they're asked but uh, i'm going to do it in a little bit of a different way here um question was is there a non-jew that the rabbi sells it to knowing that this is leaven was just temporarily theirs okay so what happens is, and, and I think I mentioned this a little bit beforehand, and if I didn't, 
make it clear enough, I do apologize for that, and I do appreciate the listener asking for the clarification. So what really happens here is that we are selling it. Uh, there is a non-Jew that does buy the all eleven products from from the rabbi, and then the rabbi buys it back at the end of Passover from them. And obviously, there is some sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Some sort of uh, profit that the non-Jew gets from when he or she buys the uh, or sells the leaven back to the rabbi so this way everyone uh, wins on the deal they do know that it's a temporary the non-jews do know that it's a temporary sale now honestly i've never been to one of these sales um i could probably try to dig up some pictures of of some of these sales and it's it's amazing where you're going to have one rabbi it's it's you know, it's, it's almost a pyramid to a degree where you're going to have one rabbi acting on behalf of multiple rabbis who are acting on behalf of their congregation. <laughs> so it could really spread out pretty far, but, uh, they have, but they have a bunch of them in the room and they go through the entire process, breaking it all down. It's, um, the Jew does, no, and it's usually somebody that they've used for a long time, someone that is generally a, a more of a well-educated professional, I would say, and it's not, you know, treated lightly or as a joke. This is a very serious type of procedure that needs to be done uh, for Passover. Uh, so, you know, what happens is, like I said, uh, the rabbi will sell it to the non-Jew. And the non-Jew, in the contract, the, it states that the non-Jew does have the ability to come in at any point in time to anybody's home and buy what they want cash and carry cash on the barrel head and they could walk out with whatever they want uh be that you know a nice malt scotch malted scotch or if that's the right word right term for it uh or anything along those lines they can go ahead and do it i happen to know uh, who the non-Jew for that that my synagogue uses because he's a local person. I I've, I've seen him. He actually helps out in the shul sometimes for for different things. So uh, you know I, I talk to him. I say hi to him occasionally, uh, just to be nice. But uh, you know that is what it is. Um, interestingly enough, uh, two years ago with the outbreak of COVID that hap when it happened, there was a very big issue for my my synagogue specifically um and i'm sure others as well where the rabbi was had contracted COVID. so the question is you know he can't make the sale we had to wind up uh selling it through somebody else whom i had never used um you know and there is some in, in that type of thing there is some blind faith that the rabbi is going to be performing his job i don't think that the rabbi would not be doing this with not perform, you know, not performing his job properly. Uh, I have heard stories um, that have been asked in response to literature. Some of them have been asked in response to literature. Some in other, uh, I've heard stories about where the guy that was uh, the the guy that was supposed to be buying the leaven uh, the day that he uh, the day of Passover Eve 
never showed up or showed up extremely and then when they found him he was dead drunk i mean you know he was extremely drunk and passed out not 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 living uh that would be another thing uh so they had to try to sober him up try to figure out you know it was it's it's a uh it can be a hairy situation so that is uh let's see here am i missing any other questions um yes yeah, so we do buy it back at the end of passover like i had mentioned the uh the rabbi usually buys it back at that point and goes ahead and will uh like I said, throw something in for profit so that the person uh, appreciates that fact. Uh, let's see, it is, they're just temporarily theirs. They know that. They also know that they could come in and buy it at any point in time that they just so desire, as long as they're willing to pay for the whatever they bought. Uh, you know, in my case, not really a lot that they, that they would want to buy unless they want to buy some cereal or macaroni or something like that that we have that we're selling um okay uh so it is just um and we're not in ignorance i mean i guess in a way we're acting on a, on trust and on faith with this uh since it is generally done via a community rabbi you are going to uh trust that individual because he is your community rabbi now i don't think i talked about it last time but it's in, in that passover episode but what is interesting is when you get into commercial sort of leavened products where somebody let's say is a cookie distributor or a beer distributor and what's interesting about the and there are, what's interesting about those are you um are also not allowed to purchase leaven on passover or receive leaven on passover so let's say if you have a beer which is definitely leaven because it's made out of wheat it's made you know made out of those all those types of things you know and you receive some leaven on the uh you know some beer on passover in a shipment what do what happens what is the jewish law with that and organizations such as the orthodox union which is one of the ginormous players in the kosher industry of certi kosher certification industry has does deal with these things on a year-in year-out basis when it comes to passover stuff and they they handle all these types of things and it is uh it's quite interesting to go through the process and understand it and you know get when you get into the details of it and the finer points of the of the law which obviously i'm not trying to to give you i'm, I'm trying to give a a basic overview to create a better understanding because that's that's what i'd like to do but that is the feedback from the or question follow-up question from the podcast uh that we had a couple of weeks ago and obviously you can you too can re-listen to the podcasts all you got to do is go to notarabipod.com all episodes from all seasons are up on the website over there feel free to take a listen to anything that you would like to now getting back into uh getting into the other question where we are just oh but you know i almost forgot and I, I i totally did forget i once again i like to express my appreciation to the fifth channel 
Discord server for allowing me to go ahead and use their server for the live recording of the podcast. Always appreciated. Uh, I believe I do have a link up at notarabbipod.com for you to go ahead. And if you would like to join the Discord channel for the uh, for the show, you can click on that link and you can watch the show as well. Uh, we could watch it live and then listen to it again uh, in your podcast feed because everybody, of course, is subscribing and everyone is uh listening watching it and of course and i know this goes without saying i'm gonna just say it because i know it's anyway the case everyone goes ahead and leaves a review if it's positive i much appreciate that and uh your five dollar check is in the mail if it is a bad review i appreciate that as well i don't really mind so much if it's a bad review just review that's that's all i'm asking you to do and whatever podcast service you're using to get your podcasts uh if you could review and give me a rating thank you very very much do appreciate it uh moving on to that next question now and the question is um what is the difference between hasidic and the ultra-orthodox haredi groups how does chabad fit into that i ask because in the show in the show which i believe he's uh the the individual here is, is talking about the show stetzel or stitzel or something like that i i never got i haven't watched it um i'll get to get to that in a second uh it's a show that is on israeli te- was on Isra- or is still is on israeli television and i um you know, and it's it's made its uh, made its way over to America with English subtitles now, so people are watching it. Uh, and so he asked me. He said, um, so he asked because one in uh, in the show, one of the characters' daughters moves away and marries somebody who is a chabadnik, and the whole group is treated is treated by this character with some derision. Okay, so this falls into the you can't tell the players without a scorecard type of situation and i am going to try and provide a scorecard with this or to this now uh let me just say with a precursor to all of this is the fact that i think most divisions that we make within the jewish community are unnecessary and they should not be um you know, I, I just believe that. I think that it divides us more than it uh, does anything else. Be that as it may, I'm going to try and explain this a little bit. And I know this question has been in the queue for a while, so I do apologize for not getting to it as quickly as I should have. Uh, and that'll be something that I work on uh, this, uh, this coming year, uh, you know, on, on a lot of different fronts in terms of uh, leaving things to the last minute, but so let's talk about this now. The you know what how I would put it, and this again is my own position on it and my own philosophy. Hasidic groups are generally uh, are going to be wearing the men are going to be wearing long black uh, coats. Uh, they're going to be wearing up hats. 
and on Shabbos they're going to be wearing uh, a special fur hat that they have, which is called a strimal, and you know they are following their rebbe or rebbe, um, and this is generally they have been dynasties that have gone uh, from the eight from the eighteenth century or nineteenth century. Uh, I always blow my, I always mix, mix, mix it up, uh, but either the 17th or 18th century and they, um, in Eastern Europe. And the reason that they dress like this is so they are creating a differentiation between the, uh, they, they were creating a differentiation between the non-Jews and the Jews in the town, uh, that they wanted to say, we are Jewish, you know, and we're not part of the uh, rest of civilization. So that is the Hasidic groups. The ultra-Orthodox Haredi groups um, are individuals that also we're going to be wearing black. They'll be wearing black pants, short, you know, generally a short black jacket, generally a hat with a brim that goes down, generally, although a lot of the boys these days do not put the brim down, which is uh, much to my consternation, but that's just how I roll. Uh, anyway, it's not no legal reason. To, I mean, you know, okay, I'll get, I'll put that aside. But, and generally, they are going to be individuals who... Um, do not, will, will be sitting there they're as, as uh, once they get married, they'll be continuing to study and to learn Torah um, for the sake of learning Torah. And they are in a uh, post, generally what's, what's known as a, you know, or considered a post-college post type of graduate school, which is the Kolel. And... <clears throat> They are. They generally will get it in Israel. They get a stipend from the government. Uh, this is part, and they do not. And all the both all the Hasidic and Haredi individuals in the in Israel do not join the generally do not join the Israeli army, the Israeli Defense Force, uh, which is probably another topic for another day. Uh, I, I tend to not to want to talk about those types of topics. Specifically, because it's a very, it's a huge powder keg, and not only that, I don't think I'm going to be changing anybody's decision whether to do something or not, uh, even though I have my own personal opinions on it. So, I, just what, what's the point, <laughs> you know? And uh, I try to stay out of Israeli politics, both uh, the <clears throat> politics of who should be the next prime minister to these types of politics because I just, I don't live there. So I, why should I even bother? In any event, so that is uh, the ultra-Orthodox and the Haredi groups. Now, how does Chabad fit in with this? Very interesting question. Uh, Chabad is actually a Hasidic group in a way. Actually, not in a way, they are. Um, however, they do not comport in the usual ways of dress that the rest of the Hasidic world does. For whatever reasons, they were generally in East, uh, Eastern Russia, uh, Eastern Russia, yeah, Far East, really cold areas of Russia, White Russia is what it's known as, and they 
you know, they had a whole, they had a, that's where they were, they were based. And, uh, and a lot of time, and, and why they are met with derision these days, uh, is an unfortunate situation where the, uh, seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe, uh, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, passed away, I believe that was 93 or 94, 1993 or 1994, and uh, they have not gotten a new, they have not in, installed a new leader since, because they felt he was such a wonderful leader, and he was a tremendous uh, wellspring of Torah knowledge, and not just wellspring of Torah knowledge, he had, you know, general knowledge as well, he had a degree uh, from the Sorbonne in France. He took philosophy classes in the University of Berlin. So he's not uh, in the 1930s. So he's not somebody, you know, that, or maybe not even the 1930s. It was probably earlier than that. But he's not somebody that was uh, was a dummy. And he had a tremendous, tremendous insights. Uh, a, you know, and one of the things that is, uh, you know, and. He, he was extremely insightful, and every time you hear something about him, at least I, at least if I hear something about him, uh, he he always strikes me as somebody that is very insightful. Now the problem here is why that there's this derision that happens is because a lot of times there are in, actually not a lot of times, but there are individuals who believe that uh, the Rebbe. Is Messiah is the Messiah? Uh, so you're going to say, "Hey, he's dead. How could he be the Messiah?" Well, this is therein lies therein lies the problem. He should not. Uh, the, these individuals may have believed that he was the Messiah while he was living, but if he is dead, that kind of breaks the deal uh, in Jewish theology and and things like that. So he he can't be. Um, like I said, he probably he, he may have had the ability while he was alive to be the Messiah. We don't know that. And, uh, you know, I try to stay away from those types of questions. Uh, I'm very, very uh, pro what Maimonides wrote in saying that we're not going to know who or what's going on until it actually happens. And so I, that's that's uh, exactly how I leave it and how I like to go ahead and take care of, uh, you know, those types of questions. So, they, so they, they've really fallen into derision, uh, the Chabad group, because of this. Now, there are a lot, and, and you'll also notice them a lot of times. Uh, they will be uh, on Passover time. They will be handing out matzah to everybody uh on you know right before rosh hashanah which is actually coming up shortly and i'll probably be talking about that over in the next episode or two uh they they are handing out honey to people uh on sukkot on sukkis what they're doing is they're making sure that all jewish men get the ability to uh shake the lulav and the esrog um also during the year during the rest of the year they're going ahead and making sure that all jewish men put on tefillin they will ask you excuse me are you jewish do you want to put on tefillin uh they have these huge uh um 
they call them mitzvah tanks, but they're not an actual tank. Um, they are an RV, right? They have a huge RV that is decked out to take care of and, and, and help, you know, and get the people into the RV, make, put the, t put the fill in on or other things like that. And they, their goal and the, the, one of the goal, main goals of the seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe was to connect all Jews to Judaism in some way, even a small, minor way. Some people don't like them because they're pushy sometimes. I'm not going to get there. Um, but, you know, this is why, but, but a lot of the reason why they're considered with derision is based on um, the over-reverence, I would say, that they do still have for their uh for the seventh rebbe uh there's another hasidic group that that has, has done this and they've been hundreds of years without their uh, without a new rebbe um full disclosure by the way i want to uh my father-in-law was chabad and i respected him greatly disagreed with him on a lot of things but i respected him um uh, just as you know, total aside, the anniversary of his death, what we call the Yartzeit, which is a Yiddish word for day of the year, uh, and that is uh, that was that happened last Tuesday, the second day of the month of Elul in uh, in in the Jewish on the Jewish calendar. Um, but anyway, so you know, I have a more accepting view of them than others do uh, i think that they're i think they're making a mistake with what they're doing and how they're going about it but i can't do anything to change that and uh you know what am i uh what am i supposed to do i can i, I have cousins that i talk to when i see them at uh at weddings but um i don't talk about these things uh but i don't i don't view them with the derision that they uh that they usually would would have okay so that was the feedback and the questions for the episode um i you know any any questions from the uh from the chat okay doesn't look like it uh with that once again Thank you for listening to an ep another episode of the Not A Rabbi podcast, season three, episode four, where we did a little feedback, a little, you know, little follow up and, uh, and question session here. And we, uh, we, we covered a little bit more about the selling of the leaven for Passover. In addition to that, we also talked a little bit about the individual groups that there are uh, in the Orthodox community, I guess you could say, some of them. Uh, I didn't get to all of them, and I, like I said, I am not a big fan of all of the uh, division that happens in grouping out in different ways, and there's a better word for it, which I'll probably come up with after I've finished recording the show. In any event, thank you very much for listening. Hope to see you on the uh, at hope to see you or hear you hear you or something on the next episode if you would like you can always send some uh, feedback to me for, uh, if you go to notarabipod.com and go ahead and you could go to the feedback and ask a question thank you very much for listening i am aaron benedict and i am not a rabbi